Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. Um, I have a question for you. How many people believe that I have $10 in my hand? Anybody believe it? You do, young lady? You raise your hand. Will you come up here a minute, please? There's only like two people that raise their hand in here. Come on up. What, made, what makes you believe I have $10 in my hand? Because I can fold it up small, okay. I was afraid you were going to say, because I listened to the first hour sermon. Because I have $10 in my hand. Now, um, this is uh, something that she had to have faith in. She did not see it, but she had to trust that it was there. Um, and God says we cannot put him unless we have faith and he will reward those who have faith. Yeah. I am so glad we only have two services. I saw that uh, illustration done before, and the, uh, the preacher then goes, now what if I said, how many of you believe I've got $100 in my hand? How many hands would go up afterwards? See... Uh, We're talking today and continuing our sermon series about giving. And God says some things about giving that are just incredibly difficult to believe. In fact, the only way that we're able to give in the specific way God says to give and commands us to give is if we have faith. See, a lot of times we don't see where our offering goes We have to trust that God takes it and does with it according to his will, and that is called faith. We're going to talk about that in our scripture passage we're going to look at today, and we're going to ask God right now in prayer to increase our faith and change us from the inside out by the power of his Holy Spirit using his word. Would you allow me to pray for us? God, I thank you so much that you have called us by name, to be a partner with you in your kingdom work, to be a part of the family of God, and you have gifted us with grace. And that grace has gifted us with faith. Lord, I ask that you would increase our faith now. Help us to believe in all that you say. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to tell us, I'm going to teach from the Scripture some things today that really only operate and have action and and any recourse if you believe, if you have faith. Now, we we started this sermon series a couple of weeks ago, um, and then uh, that Wednesday I had surgery and we had already scheduled our five-by-five um, last week where we had five lay uh, 
ministers give their best five minutes. Now, I worshiped from home that day. I wasn't feeling great. I think my pain medication was still making me a little loopy. Um, and I, but I thought everybody did a great job last week. Um, although, yeah, you can clap for them. They were, they were great. Although, and this might be the drug speaking, I was really partial to one of them. Thought, thought that one was really good. Um, and then, um, so we started this sermon series a couple weeks ago, and it's on giving. And we started with this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. And I want to go back to that passage today, and I want us to look at it from a slightly different angle. And uh, here are some, uh, here's what 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 4 says. And when we, when we get through this passage, we're going to see three items of faith. Paul calls the church at Corinth to believe that God calls us to believe. Things that we don't necessarily see happen with our eyes, but we have to trust in what God is doing. Here's the passage of Scripture that we started with a couple weeks ago. Now, about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. In that first verse, we are called to live by faith, something uh, that we, we will not necessarily see with our eyes, but we have to know in our heart is true. And if, if we really believe this, this is, and this is going to maybe blow your mind, maybe you've never heard this before, it's going to change the way that you give and operate in life. Here, here's the first thing that we're called to live out our faith in. In this first verse, 1 Corinthians 16.1, now about the collection for the Lord's people, here's the first thing that we have to live by faith. If we give to the collection, we are giving to Jesus. If we give an offering, we are giving that offering to Jesus. That has to happen by faith. And I see some expressions like, that's crazy, that can't be true. But I want to I show you where Paul is calling us for faith here. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. That phrase, Lord's people, um, is actually lost in translation a little bit into our English versions. Um, And I I think I understand why the NIV interpreters uh, did this. They took a word that um, it means holy. It's the same word where the angels are surrounding the throne of God and they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's the same root word and it refers to the people of God and uh, a better interpretation here, but I understand why maybe because it carries some different connotations, different baggage for other people is saints. The word should be saints. Now about the collection for the saints. Now, this is kind of hard for us to understand sometimes, but the Bible teaches that a very specific thing about saints. The scripture teaches that anyone who is in Christ is a saint. That means if you're in this room right now, or if you're watching online at home, if you are in Christ, 
if you are the church of God, if you have been buried with Jesus in his death and raised by faith, created a new person, if you have put on and clothed yourself with Jesus, if you have experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ through his sacrifice, God calls you saint. Saints are connected to the body of Christ by Christ. Saints have Jesus Christ living in them by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you are that person, you are a saint. And so Paul says, I want to tell you, he's answering a question they had, they had written him about. He wrote him back. He said, well, let me tell you about the collection for the saints. Now, you might be a flawed saint, but if you're in Christ, you are a saint. I am a flawed saint, saved by grace. And here's the crazy thing. You have to believe in Christ, trust by faith, or through faith to be a saint. But if you believe that, if you believe that Jesus Christ dwells within you and dwells within other members of the church, the body of Christ, if you believe that Jesus dwells within someone by the power of the Spirit, then if you help that person, you are helping Jesus. That's how we're connected. That's how close we are. In fact, Jesus said of his prayer in John chapter 17, he said, God, I want them to be one with us like I am one with you. If you can wrap your mind around it, if you are in Christ, you are one with Christ. He is in you and so are other saints. So if someone helps you, it's not just like they are helping Jesus, they are helping Jesus. And Jesus says it that way too. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a story about the end times. He said, in the end judgment, the son of man is gonna sit on his throne and he's gonna judge the people and he's gonna separate them. He's gonna separate the saints from those going to hell. He's gonna separate the sheep from the goats and the sheep as he sends them off to their eternal reward and into heaven, he said, you are gonna come and enjoy your reward because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I needed clothes, you gave me clothes. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you came and visited me. And the saints... The church, the people on the way to heaven, are they going to scratch their head and they're going to say, Jesus, what are you talking about? We don't remember seeing you hungry. We don't remember seeing you thirsty. We never saw you with no clothes on. We never saw you in prison. When did we do this? Chapter 25, verse 40, the King Jesus will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. See, that's when our faith will be made sight. And he'll show us all those different times where we helped, where we gave, and it was given to a saint, it was given to the church, it was given to help somebody, and it was helping Jesus. You have to believe this. I can't imagine when we get to heaven, all the different networks we're going to see, 
I, I, am, I am trying to wrap my head around, I'm going to meet a missionary in heaven that I have never met in person, and he's going to say, oh, you belong to the Wilmington Church of Christ? Well, they supported my mission. And I want to introduce you to all the people that God told me our mission saved because of your gift. And I also hate to imagine all the different times that I've seen somebody in need and I didn't help them. And all the different times I denied helping Christ. Paul is asking the church at Corinth to trust that when they take up a collection and he doesn't differentiate between giving to God or giving to the church, the saints, because he said, if you do it, you're giving to Jesus. Paul is asking the church at Corinth to believe that and the scripture is asking us to believe it. And it's only by faith that it begins to make sense. And I don't think, I don't think it's an incredible stretch to think if you help anybody made in the image of God, which is everybody, you're doing it for the Lord. In fact, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17 says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. And he will reward your faith. So how do you view those other people? Those who are down on their luck. Those who are addicted. Those who have been made terrible life decisions. Do you see them as made in the image of God? Or do you see them as those people need to be gotten rid of? Because it's not a huge stretch to go from whatever I give, I'm giving to Jesus, and it is impacting Jesus. He said, when you saw me hungry, you fed me. That's talking about the saints. But it's not a very long walk to talking about people made in the image of God. And if you lend to them, it's as if you lend to the Lord. See, Jesus is always calling our faith to grow and expand into extreme generosity. And Paul is challenging the church at Corinth to trust that when they give, they give to Jesus. Number two, this is hard to believe as well. God makes our gifts the grace needed. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 3. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. Once again, there's something lost in translation. That word gift can be translated gift or favor, but it's the word for grace. Now, grace is pretty incredible. Grace is this God's gift to us. We don't deserve it and we can't earn it. We are saved by grace. 
We're saved by grace, through faith, in baptism, for to do good works. We're saved to do good works. We're saved by grace. When that word grace appears in Scripture, and we need to have a something come to our mind. I think Paul specifically wrote that their gift, their offering is grace. I think he wanted to call to mind something in their head when they hear the word grace that it reminds them of what God has done for them. The Scripture declares that we are all guilty of sin. And we owe a sin debt to the Lord, plus we are sick with sin, more so than we can possibly ever imagine or know. And we have no way to clean ourselves, pay our debt, or heal our sin sickness. And so God gives us the gift, grace, Jesus Christ, to save us. And it's through his sacrifice where he takes our sin off of our bodies and out of our bodies and puts it into his body, nailing it to the tree where his blood comes out of his body and covers over us spiritually, paying our sin debt, a debt we could never pay, and healing our sin sickness, a sickness we can never get rid of, all by the gift that is Jesus Christ, grace, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, was buried, and then after three days, he rose from the dead, giving us salvation and forgiveness, introducing us into and welcoming us into the family of God, where we become heirs, co-heirs with Christ, him, our big brother, who shows us how to live grace. I think Paul wants us to recognize and remember the grace, the gift that God gave us, that Jesus Christ, who was rich, glorified God in heaven, made himself poor so that we could be rich. Paul is very specifically using that word grace. And then he does this crazy thing that can only happen by faith. He said, when you give, God is going to take that offering and make it grace for somebody else. That only happens by faith. I can't imagine it, and I sometimes think it must be awful dumb of God to do this. He has, from the beginning of time, planned out to partner with people in his kingdom work. Excuse me, Lord. When I say that, I'm always a little scared I'm going to be struck down by lightning. To possibly think that God's plan is stupid. But hear me out. In Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth. And on the sixth day, he made Adam and Eve. And he placed the man in the garden, this perfect world. And he says, Adam, I want you to take care of, protect, and cultivate this garden. Does God need anybody to cultivate a garden for him? No. But his plan was to partner with his creation, humans. Or think about Moses, the people of Israel crying out in slavery. And God appears to Moses in a burning bush and said, Moses, I'm going to have you go lead my people out of slavery. Does God need Moses to lead his people out of slavery? There was a video game years and years and years ago. I got on the computer 
I thought it would be fun, and I can't remember the name of it, but you got to be God of the world. And as this video game worked, there were people that were like cavemen that would walk around, and there was a hand that you could use and just pick them up and throw them around. It was, yeah, terrible. You think God needs Moses to pick up his people and move them out of slavery and put them in the promised land? Doesn't need Moses. Or what about this? There's this story, this is a cool story. Jesus is healing the sick and he's teaching and all these people start crowding around him and he's near the shore with Peter and the other fishermen and he says, hey Peter, you mind if I borrow your boat? Can you row me out a little bit? It's getting too crowded here. Peter's like, sure, Lord, no problem. So Jesus hops in Peter's boat, they row out a little bit away from the shore and there Jesus stands and he teaches all the people on the shore. They've crowded around so much and he got out a little way. So Did Jesus need, do you know anything about Jesus and water? Does he need Peter and his boat to be able to stand a little bit offshore to teach the people? For those of you who don't know, Jesus walks on water. Jesus meets with his disciples after he's resurrected from the dead. There's maybe 120 people are gathered around him. They're on this hill. It's at the end of Matthew Some believe and some don't believe. Now, I don't understand it, but that's what it says. The scripture is very honest about our flaws as people. And Jesus tells his disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now you go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all I've commanded. Does Jesus need us to make disciples? No, but he partners with us. He demands and desires that we would partner with him to save souls, to do good works, to be the grace needed. And it is only by faith I have to trust that God knows what he's doing when he asks me, flawed Saint McCamish, to come help him do his work because he don't need me. But I trust him. Do you trust in what Paul says will happen when you give your gift that it goes to Jesus, that it becomes the grace needed for life change to happen? We don't always see it, but sometimes we do. Yesterday at Upward, there's a a mom, our Upward season just ended, and I get uh, emotional. My wife calls me a big sissy. There's a mom there, and I know her story but I pretend like I don't know her story. She is a former addict. Kids taken away, kids given back, kids taken away, kids given back. And her kids are participating in Upward. And I ask her, hey, how's it going? She said, this is going so great. My kids are loving Upward basketball. You know, I'm, I'm clean now, I'm sober. Yeah, I know, I know. 
aren't you related to so-and-so? This lady's related to somebody in our church. And she says, that's, that's my relative. And she says, you know, it, it's the craziest thing. Years ago, this person saw my name, and we have the same last name, and she reached out to me and said, you have the same last name as me. You must be related. Why don't you come to the family reunion? She came to the family reunion on drugs. And one of our church members worked with her for years, loving on her, giving over and over and over. And you know, God used our church member as the grace needed for this woman to be saved and rescued and sober and clean. Do you believe that when you give, God makes it the grace needed? And He uses us flawed saints to do it. I love, I love, I love what Jesus is doing. He takes your gift, your service, your action, your attitude, and it becomes the grace. I think Paul, he wanted the people to know what grace is. In chapter 14 of Matthew, Jesus heard what had happened. He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We only have here five loaves of bread and two fishes. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. And he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. God takes our ordinary and he makes it extraordinary. So whatever little bit you give, by faith, you have to trust that God is going to make it become the grace needed to satisfy thousands. This is an incredible pattern that Jesus is using where he takes and he blesses and he breaks it and he gives it. Can you imagine what he would do with your offering? Taking it and blessing it and then dividing it up in all the ways that it needs to go. And this changes. If, if you believe, if you truly believe, it changes the way you give. It's, it's the same pattern that he uses in communion. Would you take out your communion? Your bread and the cup? 
Now, if you don't have one, if you didn't pick one up, we have one at the doors. In Matthew chapter 26, would you take out your bread? Just hold it in your hand. In Matthew chapter 26, it says, while they were eating, they were having this meal, Passover meal. It says, Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. He blessed it. And then he broke it and he handed it out to the disciples. He gave it. Took, blessed, broke, and gave. And if you're willing, by faith, Paul says when we participate in this bread and cup, we are participating in the body and blood of Christ. By faith, we are called, we're called, we're commanded to believe, asked to believe that this short momentary ceremony, this small ceremony of food, somehow connects us to Christ unlike anything else that we do. That somehow this bread and this cup nourishes our soul spiritually unlike anything else. That somehow God doesn't love us more, he doesn't forgive us more, but for some reason we're told this makes us closer to Christ. Do you believe? When you examine yourself and you find that you have not had the strongest faith that you have needed, and your faith is small as a mustard seed, and you go to Christ and you say, help me with my unbelief, and you remember the cross. You remember what he did for you, and he increases your faith. Would you believe and participate in the bread? Christ, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. We thank you and praise you for Christ dying on the cross for our sins, for his body being beaten and battered and whipped and pierced so he could take away our rebellion, our willful sins, our accidental sins. We praise you and thank you. We worship you. And we ask you to increase our faith. Would you take out your cup? Would you remember his blood poured out sacrificially for you, covering over all of your sins, making you clean, washing away your sins? Would you participate in the cup? Lord, thank you for this grace that we do not deserve and cannot earn. This grace of forgiveness. This grace of spiritual empowerment. This grace of connection. Thank you for allowing us to participate as a body in your body. Thank you for allowing us to be your hands and feet. Lord, thank you for declaring us not guilty, declaring us saints, all because of this gift of Christ. 
his name that we pray. If you can believe it, God will use our collection and make it meet Jesus. God will use our offering as the grace needed to change lives. And if you can believe it, God will use our gifts to open people's eyes to see Jesus. It's the same pattern. Paul says, the beginning of each week, or translate that into American, the beginning of every pay period, you take some of your paycheck, a percentage that you determine, and you bless it, you break off a piece, and you give it. By faith, God will use those gifts to open eyes for people to see Jesus. On the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, three days after Jesus' crucifixion, there were disciples walking along, downcast, when Jesus appeared to them resurrected, but they didn't recognize him. He said, why are you so downcast? And they said, we thought Jesus was the one We thought he was the Messiah, the one that was going to change everything. But they arrested him and beat him and killed him. And it's been three days. Jesus looked at them like he sometimes looks at me. And he says, you guys are so stupid. And then using scripture, beginning in Genesis, all the way through Psalms and the prophets, he explained to them, that these things must take place if it's really the Messiah. It was getting late and they were close to their home and the two disciples invited this person they couldn't recognize into their home. They had a meal together. And during the meal, Jesus takes the bread and he blesses it and he breaks it and he begins to give it out. It was then that their eyes were opened and they recognized it was Jesus sitting there. And I can just imagine in my eyes, I can just imagine in my mind, Jesus smiling at him, giving him a little wink, and then he's gone. He disappears. Luke chapter 24 describes it that way. He was at the table with them. He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Do you believe that if we just use the same pattern of Jesus that Paul tells the church at Corinth to use that through the centuries is instruction for us the church to use take your money and bless it break it off a piece 
and give it as offering, that God will use it to open up people's eyes to see Jesus. See, you have to believe it by faith because you won't always see it happen. It's only when we see something with our physical eyes that we don't need faith. And I don't always think we see the life change that happens when we give offering, but we can trust in the one who says life change happens. We hope you have enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to, or maybe you just want more information about our church, be sure to fill out a Connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining, and we will see you back here next time.